Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Hey, Christina, you know, hey, today is different. It is. I'm, I'm really excited about today. We have I'm a really mystery. Excited. We have a we mystery do. going on. And I don't think we've ever had anything like this. Our audience is not going to know the true identity of our guest. I know. Isn't that so fun? We like, don't I even know a, her true to, identity. I know, but it's that's the fun. That's the fun and the spontaneity. How do you say that spontaneity. word? Spontaneity. No. Thank you of it all. Like it's really. I feel like I'm like part of something like the Nancy Drew Mysteries or something. I know. So y'all, today we're going to speak with author Kate Somerset. But I need to tell you that Kate Somerset is a pen name. And we really, truly do not know her real name. We are looking at her on the screen for the first time today because she uses an avatar for the book and her social media. And it's just all been very intriguing. So we're excited to even see her face. But her story is one I think a lot of women are going to be interested in because in midlife, she goes through a divorce. And that is more common than we would like it to be. The question is always, what now for midlife women? And Kate's what now has been fascinating. And she's captured it in her book. And it's called Mom, You Just Need to Get Laid. And that <laughs> if that article, you know, that name doesn't intrigue you, what does? I mean, Christina, can you imagine Marcus saying, Mom, you just need to get laid? Uh, no, I uh, know. I could imagine my boys saying that, actually, if I ever wound up. I could see them saying that. Oh, my gosh. No, I think my son would be mortified because every time I tell him about, like, our our show, he's like, no, you guys talk about, like, vaginas and hot flashes. No. So he's, he's, and, he's embarrassed. And what's the problem there? <laughs> so we want to welcome the the woman the myth the legend Kate Somerset to the show hi Kate Woo! hi it's so nice to meet both of you officially you as well yes. we talked on the phone but this is our first time to see your beautiful face and you are a lovely woman so let's just jump right in you found yourself in midlife and going through a divorce was that something you expected no, I, I, you know, when you marry, you think you're marrying for richer, for poor and for the rest of your life. That's the intention or you wouldn't get involved in a relationship in, the, in that way. And so I didn't plan for a divorce. I thought my marriage signaled a time in my life that was going to be stable and secure and give me a platform to do the things I wanted to do with my business and my family and so as things didn't work out that way, not only was I in a place to evaluate what was next for me professionally, but I also had to evaluate what was next for me socially. And so that is, of course, mm. how all the dating stuff got started. Now, you had a career yes. and everything going, so you weren't just, 
you know, totally lost without a paddle. Exactly. And I was grateful for that. I really was happy that I had worked most of my life, really all of my adult life. And so I had an income. It wasn't substantial, but it was enough for me to believe that I could be okay on my own. And so that was also, I was in Texas when I got the divorce and had Mm -hmm. lived there for most Mm -hmm. of my adult life. And so knowing that I could continue the business that I was in and maybe consider possibly leaving my town where I was for so many years married um, was only possible because there was some income. Okay. So, so let's pause there really quick, Kate. So you're, you're getting a divorce and you're thinking about leaving Texas. And we, we're going to ask where you went next, but were there some kind of feels or were you just like, I'm ready for the change? Like, I'm just ready to just change it up altogether. Like, what was your mindset during that, that season? Well, it wasn't a running away mindset. So I want to be clear about that. It wasn't that I'm escaping my past. I want to leave it behind me. I really didn't want necessarily to leave the community that I had grown to love for three decades. I had friends there. I'd I'm a breast cancer survivor, so my all my medical team was there. My daughter's friends were there. She was there. So this was not an easy thing to think about, you know, just abandoning in a way the world that I knew. It was more about what opportunities lay on the other side of this chapter in my life. I had lived as a married woman in a community where I had some name recognition and all of that meant that it would be a lot easier to stay. Nobody expected me to leave. I kept it a secret. All my plans were in my head until I figured out how to make an exit and do something else. And so it was uh, it was a very, very tricky time, both the emotion of going through a divorce and plotting secretly to begin life again somewhere else. You know... Wow. You're truly a woman of mystery. <laughs> well, I I had to keep almost this idea of being another version of myself to myself, because if it hadn't worked, it would have been destructive for me to have toyed with an idea that I wasn't going to execute. So I had to get everything lined up in order to make it work. And And I'll just say for your listening audience, if you think uh, those of you who are thinking about your lives and having to make changes, I didn't have enough financial undergirding to really do what I did. You know, people may assume, oh, I was divorced and maybe I divorced in a way that provided me a lot of income to go do something else that wasn't the case. And so I had to bank on the fact that my work in my profession would be enough to get me moved to a different location where I could continue to do that kind of work. That was the gamble. So it was definitely thought out to improve your career and allow you to have the income you needed to support yourself. Absolutely, Gail. There was no other way. I I couldn't, there are places I couldn't have gone because there would have been no way that the work that I do would have happened in those kinds of communities. I couldn't have gone somewhere smaller, as an example. I couldn't have necessarily gone somewhere that wasn't urban because the work that I do in the nonprofit world is generally uh, more commonplace in in communities that are very big. And so 
here you go. Right. From go. Leave the big old Texas. cowboy state of Texas. That's, that's all and so true to New York City. And you know, people who have oh, not wow. lived in Texas, this is a bigger deal than it sounds, y'all, because when we moved to Texas, we lived in the Fort Worth area for four years. I remember when we rolled into a church for the first time, the person, the pastor was saying like, you know, thank God you were born in Texas. And if not, the second best thing was that you got here as soon as you could. I mean, Texas cannot imagine, <laughs> Texans cannot imagine any reason that you would ever leave Texas. So on top of all your family relationships and just your, you know, roots in the community, Texas is not a place that, you know, people talk about leaving. Like Californians are always talking about leaving because of the economy, but Texans think, oh my goodness, why would anyone leave? So it's really a big deal. And then New York City, that's a little bit of a difference. That's it. Isn't that a, was that a culture shock for you? Oh, because totally. It, the, yeah. It's everything. So we'll start with the most obvious part, and that is the uh, the weather. You know, when you're in Texas, mm. all the weather is changing so much all the time now, I probably, this was five years ago, so I probably would have said something different uh, at the time, but I wasn't even sure I had the right wardrobe, you know, the coats, the, it's cold in Texas occasionally, but it changes and it's hot again the next day. So, and there's not snow and uh, there's, there's just not this sense of trying to survive against the element. So that's one. Yes. And there's such wide open spaces in Texas. I mean, <laughs> when they say bigger yeah. in Texas, it's not a joke. I mean, y'all, even bigger high is, schools bigger look like better. colleges. Yeah. Everything is, I remember going to the grocery store and the grocery store sir, sold furniture, jewelry. It was like a mall to go to. It was a Kroger. It, it, right. Things are bizarre in Texas. Yeah. So now you're wow. going where you're going to shop at the local bodega. and You're so you right. Know, and that you even know that word. You know, a lot of people don't understand mm -hmm. the deli culture, the bodega culture, if you've never been oh, yes. to New York, but it is, it's actually something that's unique, I think, to the Northeast. I don't, I don't think you have it in California, Christina, well, you can't go find a deli, no, can you? that serves we have we have some delis but it's i mean like in sacramento not really but like if you went down to um la area you'd probably have a little bit more of those smaller shops um but yeah that's that's typical for you know new york and uh having the bodegas and things like that and i have to say this kate you are giving us such New York vibes right now, okay? Because the dark hair, the dark lip, the distinction of her wardrobe. Well, you know, and you talk about that in vibes. the book, you know, Kate's <laughs> wardrobe and the things Kate, you know, was wearing. You had to make some changes. And, you know, let's just wrap this up in a package. For a girl to move from Texas where people are friendly and warm, it's a pretty safe, secure feeling area where you live to a town like New York City. What did that feel mm -hmm. like as a woman by yourself? Well, I have always been a bit of a risk taker, even though if you met me, you'd think of me as traditional looking, you know, you'd think of me as someone who... Um, is a rule player. You know, I do, I do follow the rules, but I love adventure. I've always been that person who'd be willing to try something just because it was different. I had been to New York before, so I don't want you to think that this was a leave Texas, 
get on a plane and go into a new country that I'd never seen before. That was not, not the reality. <laughs> I knew enough about New York to, can I could, I could imagine my, visualize myself there. And part of what I do like is fashion. I've always loved clothes. You know, who among us doesn't really love clothes and jewelry? That's just been my background. And Texas supports that. You know, when you're in Texas, people do get dressed up. They they go places. They do wear makeup. They um, they show up and look good. And I I like that about New York too. You can be you can look like anything you want in New York. That's what makes it such an interesting place. But there is a lot of emphasis on fashion. There's a lot of emphasis on appearance. And, um, and gosh, you know, there's so much wealth in New York. You can never be, uh, you know, you can never be at the upper echelons. But the funny thing about New York is you can dress like you are. And that's what's really entertaining. So I'd been to New York before. I'd been as a tourist. Actually, when I was in high school, I lived in New York for a month, which was an amazing experience. Wow. I was I, I had been auditioned by my voice teacher uh, without my even knowing it for a program that American Airlines used to run. They would select students, high schoolers from the United States and Mexico and Canada to live in residence before a performance that would be a youth orchestra and chorus. So I was auditioned for the um, chorus since I did sing at some point in my life and got to live in New York with a host family and then did a show in Carnegie Hall. So ever since then, wow. it was just an amazing experience. And so ever since that time of sort of being a New Yorker, thinking of myself every day, getting on a train, going to rehearsal, um, in Manhattan and uh, and then doing things with all these other young people in the evening, I thought, boy, you know, can I imagine ever living here? Never really seriously thinking I would. And then I went back to New York for yeah. shows and for shopping and for tourist stuff as an adult. And then my daughter, the one who said, mom, you just need to get laid and, and, and meant <laughs> it. Um, she went to boarding school outside of New York. So I was visiting New York a lot at that time. And that was right about the period of time that I was separated. So it was an interesting transition. I'm going there a lot to see her. She then comes back to Texas uh, to go to college. And that was when I actually got the divorce. I She started uh, her her career, her college career, the same month that I left to go to New York, which was really interesting. Oh, wow. You know, that's so common that these yeah. things, come, <clears throat> you know, marriages come to a head when those kids leave. Um, I think it's fascinating, though, that it sounds like a dream was placed in your heart many years before. Mm -hmm. And I think we find that a lot as midlife women. And we talk a lot about going back to little girl dreams and visiting dreams that you had that got put on a shelf. Um, because it sounds like that little seed of moving to New York was within you, Kate. And this was the time for it to be watered and come to fruition. You know, so, I love that term, little girl dreams. You know, and I'll tell you something interesting about that experience of singing and rehearsing as I did for that show in high school, there was a church across from Columbia University called Riverside Church. It's a beautiful, magnificent church that is on the Upper West Side of the city, if anybody's been there. 
And as a soprano, I was seated in the front row on the right side in this enormous, enormous place. And the the month that I went back to New York to get the place I was living in looked at, so this is years later, um, and I went back to that church it was snowing and they had almost closed the the uh, the building. It was 4.45 and they told me they were going to close at 5. And I said, please, I just need to go sit in the pew that I sat in in high school so that I can see how my life's going to come full circle. And I did. I went wow. into that. I walked that long, 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 long um, entryway and, the, you know, the center aisle all the way up to the front. There was nobody in there. It was the most reverential moment for me, honestly, to sit in that pew and look up and think, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do all along. I was supposed to come back here. Wow. Such a, such a vision, right? A vision for your life that you just stepped into. That is super powerful. Wow. And there are those moments I think in life where we can see a circle coming complete or, you know, we feel like, okay, this was ordained. This is intentional. I didn't just land here. It sounds like you certainly had that kind of moment. So you get to New York and you're going to start dating. And I think that term itself sends shivers down the spines of (laughs) married and unmarried women alike, because I know I've been married for a very long time. And um, Christina, now she's a newlywed. She's on her first marriage as a midlifer. But the thought of going back Thank into you. the wolf den, I would call it. <laughs> I laughed to my husband all the time because we were watching one of my favorite shows. I'm obsessed with 90 Day Fiance. I admit it. It's terrible trash TV, but I love it. But I tell my husband all the time, I'm like, if I had to go back on the market, I just don't think I would be as viable an option as these people are. Like These people are having all these people want to you know, date them and sleep with them. And I'm like, I'm going to get myself together. What if something were to happen? I am not marketable, but (laughs) I think it just sends shivers down our spine. So what was your attitude about dating coming out of a divorce? Did you think, oh no, or oh boy. Well, and and the conversation too, because did the conversation between you and your daughter happen first or was the thought process like, I think I'm going to go back into dating, but I don't know if I want to go back into dating. And that then the conversation happened with your daughter, um, or, or was it just we have kind all of the all questions? Together? Yeah, I love yeah, we do. Questions. We have a lot of questions. Well, there is a timeline <laughs> that you that would make sense to you. The first part okay, is yes. that I was separated for about 18 months before my divorce was final. Oh, kill and, me. Okay, so okay. kill me. Yeah. So in, in, in that period of time, when my daughter and I were now living in the house where she grew up, where her dad had lived until he moved out at the time that we were separated, she and I were just on each other's nerves. And I know you have, you have uh, boys, both of you, right? You don't, you don't have girls. Yes. Yeah. I, well, we have, well, we both we have both, bonus daughters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so there's this thing about mothers and daughters, particularly teenage daughters and mothers that's already <laughs> fraught with peril before you ever add in the mix of a, a divorce oh, yeah. and the complexity of mm-hmm. that. And my daughter was, uh, although she wouldn't probably, she would admit it today, but back at the time, she probably wouldn't have said that. I think she was um, 
happy we were getting a divorce because of all the toxicity that had been in her life as a result of our being together. But I think she was also traumatized because she's an only and she really didn't know what this meant for her future. So she was constantly Mm. picking at me. It was sort of like a, you know, a bird with a sharp beak that would just come dive in and Mm -hmm. do something Mm -hmm. to get me on edge and then, you know, fly away and come back again. So the night that she said, you know, mom, you just need to get laid. It was a night when it was weekend and she had brought a bunch of friends home from, um, I guess it was a late night party. They'd gone to In-N-Out Burger, which I'm sure, Christina, you go to because mm-hmm. it's a California oh, thing. Love and, In-N-Out. Right? And yeah. it had just come <laughs> to Texas. And so she was bringing all of her food in and really taking over the space that I was working in, in the kitchen, which had my kind of office at one end of it. And so at some point when I left the room for a minute, she took over with all of her, like you can imagine the French fries and the wrapper and all the stuff just sitting around where, you know, they left it. She then moved half the food over to this computer table desk where I was working and started doing a Facebook search on some guy that these, you know, she and her friends had met. And so I was getting her to exit the chair. And when she wouldn't do it, I kept saying, come on, honey, you need to give me the space back. I got to finish work. And she was not looking at me, looking back over her shoulder, sort of halfway and saying, mom, you're just such a pain. You will not leave me alone. You're so bossy. You know, why do you not just get a life? And that's what a teenager would say to a parent, right? Um, oh, right. Constant. Yeah. And so at any rate, she's keep, you know, she keeps on this thread and I finally get her to get out of the chair. And when she does, she walks away. And that's when she tosses this little statement at me, which is just, mom, you know what? You just need to get laid. And it was sort of, it was just a dig, you know, it was, it was, it was not a suggestion of mom, you need to go on a date. But, and don't you know the problem's always us? We're the problem. Oh, yeah. Well, and and Kate, I was thinking this whole time that you and your daughter were having a cup of tea at your counter kitchen top and you were having this girl no. time. Like that was the story that was playing in my head that that's how this conversation came about. And clearly it was not no. that. No, but isn't that what we do? Yeah. We imagine everyone yeah. else's teenagers are acting nice while ours are being raving lunatics. And yeah, because I just, if my... 19 year old said something nice to me I would probably fall out in the floor I mean everything (laughs) that's wrong with the world in the Ukraine and in his life is my fault that's where we're at right now so I totally understand and they say things like that she didn't mean it as good advice she was definitely taking that sharp jab so how yeah, did that land just, for you? It was a dig, but I will say that that she, the idea, once she said it, and then I'm I'm really horrified, you know, horrified on several different levels. One that she said that to me, and then all, all of her friends were there, and she said it. And the second is the actual thought of it. You know, I I couldn't picture. I'm mm. in this complicated divorce where I and I have been a very loyal spouse. So the thought of me ever in a relationship with someone else, let alone a sexual relationship. It's like, well, I well, she didn't even say relationship. She no, just, she just meant to you know, let's just go get laid. Yeah. Get laid. Right. <laughs> so all of that was just horrifying. So I'm looking at her really legitimately shocked with my mouth open 
And she's laughing, you know, laughing because she's got me. And so I responded and said, honey, you know, I, there's no way. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not even divorced yet. And she said, you think you're ever going to date? And then now so she's having this little conversation with me, but she's challenging me. It's not like, oh, mom, I'm concerned for your future. It's it's like, do you think you'll ever date? And I said, no, I, you know, no, I don't think I'm going to date. I can't even picture it. I, I, I can't imagine. Oh, really? It. Yeah. And she said, well, you know, um, you, um, you actually need to do something before you get too old. And so, I, oh, she didn't. So at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing, and she says, "I'm not leaving this room until you promise me you will." Now, she by the "you will," she oh. meant, she meant get laid. She didn't mean, she didn't mean, <laughs> she didn't mean, you know, de- date. She meant the, you know, the the get laid part. And so I'm now laughing too. And she said, "She's come being on, a stinker." Come on, promise me, promise me. And I said, "All right, look." This is trying to get her off my case. I said, "Look, okay, you're 18. By the time you're 21, I'll get that done." And so we, you know, we high five in the kitchen. She leaves. So that's how that happened. And I was totally just bluffing. I didn't know. I mean, again, like you said, Gail, it strikes terror in our hearts to think about. The whole idea of going on a date and making yourself presentable and, as you said, putting yourself on the market, and that's really what it feels like. And also, like, Kate, like, what do you – what do you do? How do you show mm-hmm. up? I mean, you had been married for sure. years. So it's like, okay, do I get waxed? Do I not get waxed? Do I paint well, my toenails? Date, do I shave my legs? Do clothes I, and they're like, regular clothes. Sure. Yeah. And the yeah. longer yeah. you're married, the what fewer- What kind of undergarments? The fewer date clothes you have. Now, Christina's still newlywed and she sends me <laughs> these pictures of clothing that- as I work with her on image and style in my other part of my business, I have to um, veto. You're a married woman. You're not ordering that. Just delete that site. So, you know, I would not be date ready. In fact, we went to a baseball game yesterday and I thought it was a big deal. They shaved my legs for my husband to go to a ball game. I mean, this is where my mind is at. So the thought of getting it all together. Yeah. That's yeah. terrifying. So, you didn't think you would date. I, I do think, I will say this, if she had made that smart quip to me about getting laid, I probably would have said, maybe I will. I'm just that mom. Yeah. 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 If you're going to shock me, I'm going to shock you back. I'm a little bit of a smart ass too. <laughs> well, so. And and what? how old is your daughter uh, today? She is now 24. And so, yeah, so that she was 18 <laughs> and that was. And does she, does she remind you of, of the the high five no, i reminded her many many oh, times i love it and and and, <laughs> and what actually happened too that was funny was you know fast forward now and i remember i told her by the time she was 21 i would get that done and that that done was the getting laid part so uh-huh. she says oh she comes to new york with her boyfriend um and i'm taking him out to dinner for her birthday and at dinner i casually mentioned that I've been invited to go to Sweden on a sailing trip. And if you've read the book, you know which man that is. Yes, and so that was she, a mess. She says, are you going to go? <laughs> I said, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of thinking about it. And I said, but you know, you do remember that challenge that you made to me uh, that I'm supposed to, you know, take care of by the time you're 21. And this is her birthday weekend. <laughs> so she's almost, you know, like she's 21. <laughs> 
Way, way and to she, go, Mom. I way to go. Yes. <laughs> She's got a drink that it was some kind of specialty cocktail. You know, we were at some fancy little place in the East Village. And so she's got this drink. And I'm telling her this is she's got her mouth on the straw. And when I said, you know, remember, we had that deal. And she looks up at me and I, and she said, so, so, you know, have you fulfilled the deal? And I said, I'm never going to tell you. And, but she's like, her drink is the, the liquid is coming up through the straw. She's kind of bubbling because she's so shocked that I brought this up that I'm considering going to Sweden with this man. And, um, the whole thing was, she just kept going on. Like, I never, you know, what is so funny about this conversation that, you know, if you look at all this scientifically and just from our experiences, we know you're having better sex in midlife than those teenagers <laughs> were. I knew, Christine, I started to put your cup down. Christine's taking a drink. Oh, man. Teenagers think they have the corner on the sex market and they don't even know what they're doing yet. Are you kidding me? That, that's really, <laughs> really funny that you say that. You know, I remember one of the men in the book um, is a, a man that I told a part of the dating story about him and that's true of <laughs> okay which everybody. one levi so you okay. know levi and i i had that very discussion you know we were i had him over for dinner one night and he was um, levi the lawyer yeah levi the lawyer he was sitting across from me at the at the dinner table we're in the middle of the entree and he, he picks up his fork and he's holding his hand and he says do you realize that we're all having better sex at this age in our lives than our kids are, you know, we have daughters a similar age and we were comparing notes about our, our daughter. But they think they're all so sexy and so all over it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> such a joke on you. No, if my daughter really knew the full extent about, you know, my lingerie collection, my, you know, conversations with my gynecologist, all the things that we do in this stage of our lives to try to understand, you know, what we want um, they're not thinking about what they want. They're thinking about what mm -hmm. they think they should be offering. Think a boy yeah. wants. And that's right. a really different right. thing than thinking about what you want and what your boundaries are and um, and what's, you know, what's appropriate. And you know what? It, it's a trick to the men, too. They think they want those perky breasts and tight buttocks. Mm -hmm. But you're passing on the <laughs> skill, guys. You're passing on the skill. We've got the skill. We've got the skills here uh, in life and the drive, you know, so when, when we're young girls, the reason you have sex as young girls, very different than the reasons we have sex as a midlife woman, we have mm -hmm. sex for full out pleasure. We ain't needing to please no one. We are in it to win it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a different story. So I want to get into the book because it's so good. And it's kind of yes. romance novel meets memoir. And so I want to know why you decided to record the dates, mm -hmm. to journal about the dates. Why did you decide to record this process? What was the prompting? Mm -hmm. Well, you mean, why did I decide to put the dates in the book? Or why did I write the book? Is that what you mean? Or why did no, I, I mean, why did you decide to even just just somehow write down or keep a memoir of oh, your dates? Oh. Well, what no, originally the, prompted that? Yeah. The, well, first of all, you have to know about me. I have... Um, 10 email accounts and I don't delete anything that I think is important. And I keep all my text conversations with anybody. Uh, and that goes, that can go back a very long time. So girls got receipts. So when I, that's right. So mm -hmm. when I 
uh, <laughs> was talking to some girlfriends about, I was kind of a year into dating at that point, some New York girlfriends about my experiences. And these were experiences that didn't even make the book, honestly. Some, I told them some stories that uh, that just didn't fit a chapter. And so they said, it's like, nobody has these kind of experiences. Why don't you write them down? And I said, well, I guess I could, but they weren't written down at that time, Gail. So that's what I'm saying. I really didn't keep a journal. I just knew that I could probably reconstruct these stories if I really thought about it from the uh, the text chains. I have a pretty good memory for detail too. So and I've always I've always been a writer in my work. When you do nonprofit work, you have, it's a different kind of writing, obviously, but I've always right. been able to write, and I have a journalism degree, and so. It it wasn't that difficult to actually pull this into uh, of the book form, and, and although I really never was planning to do it, and there are many more men that I went out with, and many more stories that never made that book. I just wanted to get the best fifteen men, and not best as the best of all the men I dated, but just best stories. So, so was it nerve wracking to like go out on all these dates? Um, well, you know, I just, all, I just find it would I be nerve wracking. I mean, you're a lovely woman. Don't get me wrong. But I don't um, know she if I've dated like Luann Decepts from the Christina, New York Housewives. Shut Can it. we just say that? <laughs> shut it. She does. You're, you're going to give her away. Well, so Gail, you're no both, descriptions. You're, you, you, you both are saying something a little different. So what? tell me your question, Gail. You're saying. This happens regularly on this show. It's like two. <laughs> Here's what I, I forgot thinking. to tell and you I about. Hear what, Christina will probably disagree, but I was just not that hot. Like, I don't think I've dated this many men in my entire life, and I'm 55 years old. Well, I was just the number that were in the book. Okay, I, I would say this to you about that. We are all just as hot as we want to be. That's the truth. You know, we are, mm -hmm. it is an attitude thing. It is a curiosity. Um, it is a confidence. And if you have those three things, you can go out as much as you want. Now, there is one. I did not have the confidence. I'll be honest. My mother told me I was average. I was never praised for beauty or appearance. I was praised for performance, meaning good grades, good athlete, good, 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 uh, you know, accomplished things. So when it came to dating, I had no swag, y'all, none. Well, no, I, I, I didn't even do, may, let me let me just get, you know, be in your camp on this one, too, because when I was in high school and college, it was college probably changed me. But when I was in school, grammar school, high school, I was the, the book kid. You know, I was the kid that was the smart kid. I was the kid that played by the rules. I said that earlier, you know. I was the kid the teachers liked. I was not in the cool crowd. I did not. I did date, but I did not have the like all the men after me as as some of my classmates did. And so I don't think. Yeah, I was always that girl that had that I had the pretty girl. My best friend would always be the pretty yeah. one. I was always the other girl. Well, <laughs> that's no, the way it always I, felt. I, I was the girl who had some deep friendships. And I made a, I made friends with the men that I dated too, which continued on as you know this last most recent mm -hmm. part of my life. Um, but I would not say that I was the the come on girl. You know, I wasn't the 
I wasn't the girl that I've become now. I wasn't, I have become much more talented in the flirting department, much more willing to sort of put myself out there just for fun. I would not have been that person back in high school. I think that's why having a second chance at this, at this age has been absolutely redemptive and shocking. You know, I really did not expect this, but I will say back to the numbers that you mentioned, like you didn't have that many days. Well, you know, I didn't either. What happens when you move to a huge place like New York and you say, okay, I really, I think I want to date. There's so many people that you could, even if the dates aren't something you'd repeat again, you could go out a lot. I think in any urban city, you could do it. Um, mm. Is that just that the pool is the so much bigger. larger? Yeah, because but you, over here in small town America, I just, it, I don't it know. Would, Plus, it would be harder. <laughs> I want to speak to this. Uh, as midlife women, we are under the impression that, you know, we're going to have to date someone 87 because the <laughs> men our age and a little older, they want all the young girls. So when you do the ratio up, then the one that's going to think, hey, I married 13 years my senior. He thought I was hot. And I highly recommend that. Um, but, you know, at this point, I mean, I'm really going to have to get it. You know, I think that's what a lot of midlife women think, that there's no one for us because the men our age the men younger and the men a little bit older all want these younger women but that's not it's the not, story that you tell in not, your book you know, your your little passport was full honey <laughs> well i mean i dated men what old, period of older, time younger and the same you know kind of the same age bracket that i am i did i did all of that and i will say that there are men there's no question there's a subset of men that prefer younger women and but but mm-hmm. I don't think that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's something we've all believed for the longest time, but I don't think that's always true. There are a lot of men who are really good people that are searching for a, a decent woman to date. And by decent, I mean, not versus indecent. A woman that has driver's yeah, license. talking about a person that's got values. <laughs> She's legalized. Yeah, that's got values <laughs> and that's respectful that's grateful. I mean, yes. those are yeah. qualities that men value. And yes, I mean, physical attraction. That is so good to hear. And I feel like there's women driving down the road right now that needed to hear that it's today. It's true. And every he, man men is different. are going to value who you are. And I think the right man values a grown ass woman who is mature mm-hmm. and developed and interesting. So, so basically, Gail, we're not going to have to go to Shady Acres to get our men, right? Is that, is that I got big saying? plans when I get to Shady you know, Acres. Gail, you just said something <laughs> really, really important, and that is that we do need to be interesting people. We need to we need to have invested yes. in ourselves to the extent that we have opinions, we care about the things that are in our lives that are significant, um, and that we can be interested in other people. Your your ability to to care about someone else and to ask them great questions and to really listen to what they have to say will give you will reveal somebody to you in a way that you you'll never get to know them um, if you don't take that initiative. And that's probably part of my my journalism training too. You know, you always ask the questions, you know, who, what, where, why, when, how, all that. Mm -hmm. But I never failed to go out with somebody that I didn't find all that out about them and remembered it. 
I love to ask people questions and find out about new people. And if I get any more interesting, I'm probably going to get locked up like a psych ward. But (laughs) (laughs) so let's go. Here's here's what I was wondering as I read the book. And like the 15 stories that are in the book, over what period of time was that? Two years. Was that years? Two years. years. Okay, Mm -hmm. two years. I can't imagine dating 15 different men in two years. I mean, you're hopping at a clip. I was. was, You are hopping at a clip. You were getting it. I was. And I've said to several people that I treated it like a job. And that's not like a difficult job. It's like I was serious about it. You know, I was if I was going to date, the reason that I started dating was not because I was looking for a new relationship. I just come out of a 25-year marriage. That was not my goal. Uh, Mm. My goal really was to build community for myself. Because remember, I'm brand new in this huge place with 8 million people. I don't know really very many people. uh, And I wanted to find out what life was like in that world. And and the 15 people that I met were so uniquely different one from the other. If you, you know, read all the, the, the book, you you, you get the sense where they different they were. And that's part of the reason that they ended up in the book because I dated some people that were, you know, similar to the one. I think that's interesting because a lot of midlife women are looking for their next husband. They're not looking for community. And you seem to be, even when it was clear that the relationships were not meant to continue, first of all, you didn't seem needy. You didn't seem thirsty. And I think men sense that. So I think that might've had something to do why you were so successful. and. It, it, when you left these relationships, you seemed to leave almost all of them on good terms. Is that I just not the, shared in the book the most, or is that the yeah, truth? No, I think for the most part, that's true. I suspect that almost, well, you know, probably 13 out of the 15 would be just happy to hear from me again. And the other. So you accomplished your goal of building community. So that's interesting because we usually date and then we break up and we hate them. That's yeah, what that no, is. I know. don't so dislike is... anybody that I went out with. I'm very grateful for the friendships that remain. I, you know, I'm in touch with at least six or seven of them regularly. Oh, um, okay. That, that was one of my questions. Yeah. Are you still yes, in touch with some of them, them? But a number of them and I, and they will, they will unsolicited send me a text or a call and check on me and I'll do the same for them. It's just because they didn't become. That's it was great. all very modern. Well, you know, that's interesting. It what, didn't, it. no yeah. one felt super clingy. It felt like this was all very modern. There was not necessary attachment. It, it, but I gotta, I gotta go here. Kate, I was worried for you sometimes. Yeah, I know. I've heard people With say Cupido, that. the conductor. Cupid of the Conductor made my anxiety go up. When you were going in this doorway and down this lone dark hallway, I thought, hey, what the hell are you doing here? You don't know this person. <laughs> you know, I. So you're obviously quite adventurous, or did you know more about him than no, you let on in no, the book? No, I did not. I, I, I really didn't. What the hell, Kate? I, I was, well, I was trusting. He seemed like a, a, a person who at least from the, the interactions that we had, his it was mainly texting. We had a couple of phone calls before that first date that I would. Well, so do serial killers though. You've heard their descriptions, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I could see your body out there on the train tracks chopped in a million pieces and oh, never even be able to put you back together. Listen, he was, he was, Stop. he was one that you were worried about, but believe me, there are more that I went out with that you would have worried about more. One that didn't make, 
I was worried about the trip to Sweden too. That guy seemed yeah. creepy. Well, there were enough people around that that wasn't, but he was, he was really someone who got angry quickly. You know, he was someone that was that, Oh, I never worried about my own safety, but his anger was um, above and beyond. And, and, you know, but there are people that I went out with that I uh, didn't, that obviously didn't make the book, but one, you know, man, I went to see that lived in a neighboring city that lived in a barn and I just wanted to see the barn. And, um, you know, I remember calling a girlfriend and said, okay, I'm going to go do this. And if here's his name and here's his phone number. And if I never come back, um, that's where I went. And so, uh, oh, but oh my I, gosh. I, for the most part, I felt like I was not putting myself at risk. And, you know, when you're in New York city and you're meeting somebody for a drink or, you know, even a meal, you're in a place that's so public that it would be difficult to really right. get yourself into yeah. trouble. But now you parked so, in some shady well, places. You're, thinking about, you're really uh, hung up on the conductor, aren't you? Cause that is where I parked. Well, and there was another one, you're at a shopping mall and it's oh, empty yeah, and yeah. he's going to drive you around to your car. And I'm thinking, Kate, you cannot be getting in the car with these people. I mean, your, your confidence and your, I'm, I was, I was frightened for you, but I also have to say this, because I'm going to tell you my two favorites. This list of men proves that there is a lot of interesting available people yes, out there. That's right. So mm. midlife women who are on the search, just, I mean, call Kate. She could probably hook you up with these people if we ever figure do out you who know, she do is. Do you know that I actually, Some of these men are I really available. did uh, introduce one of my New York girlfriends to one of my favorite people in the book. Uh, and the two of them went out on a date. I was rooting for them. Didn't work out. For oh, tell us Sam. which one. Sam, this Oh, that's Sam the solicitor. That's really cool. Uh, and uh, I wanted to, I thought, well, you know, this could be a fit for the two of them. And it didn't turn out to be for either of them. And so whatever, I don't know what that means, but at least I tried. Uh, okay. I got to tell wow. you my okay. two favorites. The one, because this was like, ooh, hot. When you went to a business meeting and you went up to the executive floor, the right. C-suites, and this man has all this beautiful artwork and you were admiring the artwork mm -hmm. and he apparently noticed that you knew your artwork and there was just this that's, little, that's, that's mm, a, a little something, that's something. Sam. Yeah. That, I mean, he was, that was Sam, Sam oh, looks like Pierce Brosnan. I hope I just. <laughs> I hope I described. Oh, well, damn, Kate. Why? Okay. Why would you hand that off to your friends is what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, so the, the timing was really <laughs> odd, you know, with him. He had the girlfriend in Chicago. If you remember that there was. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah okay. I remember. So mm -hmm. I thought because of that, that really that was his main squeeze. And I was the New York person mm. and we had a great time. And since I was going out with other people, I didn't feel like he was doing anything that was going to cause me a problem since I was obviously also dating others as well. But because he was in a, a really more of a permanent relationship, I just thought he ought to come clean about that. So, um, yeah. yeah, well, if he's doing that to her, yeah. he'll do that to you kind of thing too. And you don't want to be that yeah, woman. I didn't want to be that woman. So I moved on yep. and then he broke up with the Chicago girlfriend, <laughs> called me and <gasps> recently and said, you know, bad news. This is what happened. And I said, I'm so sorry. Let me see if I can fix you up with somebody. So that's what, that's what happened. 
Good for you. You didn't want to presume? No, I, you know, I've already, I've already moved She's on like, put the pause so on it. I didn't. Yeah. So are you, are, I, are you dating I, today? I, I, or I are am, you, I are you going to have a dating, significant other? Uh, the, one of the people in the book in, in a, in a, in a more, you know, serious way. Which oh, one? I don't know if I can tell you oh. that. Can you guess? You have to tell us. Let me think. Look at Gail. Gail is going to bite all of her nails okay. off. Let me tell you this. I liked this story. The one where you went to his home and you parked at the oh, lower yeah. driveway because you didn't want to walk a long ways That's in your shoes. And I, that was so something I would do. You just rolled up in there in the door you wanted to use because it was more convenient. <laughs> like, I love this. And he was yeah. cool about it. But you two seem to have yeah, some chemistry. That's, that's Levi. That's the lawyer. That's the one that I, yeah. No. No. Th- is that he, the one you're dating now? He, no, he moved to. Oh, okay. It better not be Cupid. I didn't think that was not. a match. Don't worry. But I was going to say Le- Levi and not, moved to Washington. Not the Swedish no, guy. No, no, no. no. Saw the sail- sailor. Yeah, was that him? Very good. You've got your men memorized here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm looking at my chapters here in the book. Um, hmm. Okay, Kate, you need to know something about Gail. She will be like a dog on a bone until she gets the answer. So, we'll have if you can't say yeah, it on air, she she'll can, just she have to know well, after. I, no, I, I will. I will say that um, one of the things that was the most fun about this writing this book for me is that people had their favorite men and everybody had different men. And if you've, I don't know if you've heard the audio book, but the audio book is a whole different experience because the woman who voiced it is a Broadway actress. And she actually, that's what uh, I did. She, with the she's audio so book. good. And we had more fun. I didn't, I went through a production company to get the audiobook done and they gave me tapes of voices to listen to so that I could choose my favorite and I chose her and then she and I become great friends. It's the most amazing experience. I, oh, I love so great. That. I love that. Um, That's and awesome. she uh, we had our, about halfway through we what she would do was she would tape a chapter and then I would give her notes on whether she'd gotten something right or wrong. And then we'd keep going. We did about one a week. And so about halfway through, she said, I can't stand this. I normally don't do this with my authors, but I've got to meet you. And she said, can we have lunch? And so she lived obviously in the New York area too. And so we started with a lunch that we had scheduled for an hour, went on for three hours. And we said, we'll have to do this again. And then we had dinner and she truly is lovely. What helped her a lot was that I had saved voicemails from a lot of these men. So I could forward her the voicemail. She could hear their cadence and their accents if they had one. And, mm. um, and it was super mm. fun. That's so cool. I mean, that's just so cool. I love that you save everything so that you were able to really compile all of this data and put it down as just this fun adventure. Did you feel like you were well, Carrie from Sex and the City? Because that's what I, that's the that vibe way. I You know, get. I really was surprised that I would feel that, like that, but it was super fun. And I did want to incorporate that whole fashion piece into the book because I think it matters how we show up and present ourselves. And I can see by, you know, looking at you, Gail, that you're like fancy. Um, Christine, I'm sure you are too. I'm just looking at your. <laughs> the, <laughs> Christina, show her your new top Let's that see. we just. Oh, this is, oh my, this gosh, is my new that top. Is, you know, that is a date night top. That is. 
I picked that out. I've been doing some shopping for Christina's part of my, one of my side gigs. I'm a total Californian girl, like no makeup, yoga pants, you know, when you were saying that you dress up and that you love the dress up. I'm well, you like, know, everybody has oh, a different thing. And I, that would be you know, so hard I for went me. out with uh, the Ezra, the entrepreneur, that the one that took me to the, you know, Broadway show to Hamilton that had the hotel room across from Central Park that we went in the carriage ride. I mean, that. Huh? That made me freaking nervous too. You going up to a man's hotel room, Kate? Yeah, Holy well, shit! You know, the book wouldn't have been very interesting if I hadn't had these experiences, right? At least you. Now yeah, let me tell the exactly. listeners: if you're wanting a sex tell, all this ain't it because she always stops yeah. short. So I don't guess you're going to tell us how many you, of those you know, men I you say slept Kate with. Kate doesn't kiss and tell, but you know you can you you read the chapters, you get a sense for what direction. That's when I felt like there was more than kissing. I felt like, yeah, you're in the hotel room. This is going down. <laughs> well, you know, the the thing to tell you about him was that I continued to date him after that. So there was there was more of of. I wondered why that came to a screeching halt because I'm like, this was going well. What it, the hell, Kate? This is going well. well Let's keep you know, on with you this. You have to imagine that every chapter, every story is a story. It's got a, bit, a middle and a beginning and end. And some of those stories had to end. Or the Well, I also imagine your day book because you're just freak, frankly running out of time. You had another day lined up. You had to go. <laughs> got another day tomorrow. I can't stay out all night with you. I mean, that's the way it felt sometimes. No, there was one, wasn't there one like you ran in and changed clothes and you met them and then you had to change clothes again? Yeah, and- there were several times that I had like more yeah, than one that. date in a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were several. Oh, wow. I'm telling you, Christina, the woman is a beast. I mean. True. It's it's true, true sex in the city because that that is uh, one of the things in, in sex in the city. Like they're always running and going to the different dates and all that so, stuff. I want midlife so. women to hear this though because I think we think we're going to be lonely. And I think a lot of women stay in bad marriages, maybe even abusive marriages because that's better than being alone. Or lonely, mm. which we know alone and lonely mm. are two different things. And I always say I'd rather be alone than Agreed. with someone and lonely. And mm-hmm. Kate, you're just really painting this picture of this wonderful life. Plenty of people dates. I don't, your finances must have been great because you weren't paying for anything. <laughs> you were traveling. I mean, she's traveling. She's going to shows. She's getting dinner. Um I mean, I just wanted to be Kate. But now one thing that struck, wasn't there a story about a dress? Uh, well, there was a, st- a problem with the dress. About the story um, about the uh, the man, Stefan, the scholar, and I couldn't decide what to wear. And I laid all my outfits out for everybody to give me some advice about. Is that the one you're remembering? Oh, no. you. Oh, I know what you're remembering. Was there you're someone on the, the Christopher subway? Christopher the where part of my dress fell off. Is that what you're remembering? And uh, tell that story. Yeah, because I'm like, that was the craziest story. I had a cocktail party to go to. This was not a date. It was an event that I was going to to, to in New York. And so I'd gotten on the train at 830 in the morning wearing a cocktail dress, which is pretty dumb. But, you know, I had to because I had meetings all day. It was very hot in New York. And so by the time I got off the train, my dress was pretty much stuck to me. But on that train ride, uh, I was sitting across from a man. Yes, Another who, man who kept looking, I thought, at me. 
And I would look at him and he would look away and I couldn't decide what he was looking at. And finally he reached down and towards my legs and I was taken aback. I couldn't figure out what he was reaching for. I didn't know if he was going for my calf or my ankle or what. And so it turned out he was going oh for a, uh, a grommet that had fallen out of the armhole of my dress. So I had this black dress. It was kind of a wraparound, three-quarter length sleeve. And from the shoulder to the elbow, there were four silver grommets. So, you know, a grommet is like a, it's like a token that goes mm-hmm. into, and otherwise it'd be, it'd, it'd be a hole there, a grommet. you know. So when it fallen out, I guess because it was so hot or maybe it, was, it wasn't in there the right way. So he, he reaches down, he swoops it off the floor, opens his palm to show me that I've lost part of my dress. And so, and then of course we exchange business cards and then I hear from him later, but nevertheless, so I go then, I'm going to pick up keys for my apartment building in Manhattan with part of my dress missing. And I'm telling the doorman that I don't know what to do because I've got, and oh, the second one was now, the second one had fallen out. So now I've got two in, two out on one arm and I've got to go to this cocktail party. And so I went downstairs to the building manager to see what I could do. And the building manager said, we can't help you. She tried to, we tried to tape the dress back together with Scotch tape. We, you know, I didn't know what to do. So I went to the tailor next door that in the building was a, a dry cleaners. The guy laughed his head off at me, first of all. And then he said, you know, the only solution I have for you is for us to take out the other two. So it's supposed to look like that. You know, only in New York would you have one arm that had four holes and the other <laughs> arm had four grommets. And so that's what we did. We took, we removed two. And so I had four holes in one arm and the other was fixed. It was fine. Then I called the person in Texas that had sold me the dress and she thought it was hilarious. And she sent it back and got it fixed. So it's my, you know, my crazy date dress. Yeah. Wow. You know what struck me about that chapter is that's the all the things you went through. You're going down dark alleys with Cupido, and you're who was the one that drove you around the mall to your car? Actor, the actor, um, Anderson, the actor. Yes. Dark mall guys, and she's riding around. In he a guy turned out to car. Be, He was going in the hotel room. All the things going to Sweden, and he's an asshole. All these things that you went through, the guy with the dog situation where he was just being a jackass, the only chapter that you seemed to get ruffled at all was when the dress <laughs> fell apart. Well, it was a little shocking to have my dress <laughs> fall apart. I had no other way to change clothes. I had to go to this event. And you know, what's really funny is that that's a real person. All, all of it is a real person, but, that, but this um, gentleman that was the dry cleaner's is still the dry cleaners and he love he's got a sign up about the book in his dry cleaners. He loves telling the story. Um, I changed people's names just because I thought it was smart to do that. And I wanted to, you know, to protect sure. the innocent. And so I told him that I'd put him in the book, this little episode with him fixing my dress. And he was so flattered and I said, but I called you his real name. Is, I won't say it now, but I said, I, but I called you Constantino. He's Greek. And he said, but that's my real name. I didn't know it. I only knew his nickname. I'd used his real name and didn't even realize I'd done it. So he was just so excited. He bought the book oh. for you know a lot of people and keeps talking about it. It was very cute. That's so, that's so cool. And, and that, that kind of brings me to this next question is, I, I know we're kind of running short here on time, but 
the the men that you wrote about, did they how did they feel about it? Were they excited? Were some like hell um, to the no? Well, you know, um, well, I've had several people say, <laughs> boy, that was pretty sanitized from what our real relationship was when they read the chapter. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was it was yeah, how you well, remain friends. As in, you know, boy, you didn't really tell the full extent of what our our relationship was. So I I've had that reaction. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I've they all seem grateful to be included. Now, why? If you're one of fifteen, are you grateful? I don't know what mm. that is, but yeah, I did wonder that. What are these men thinking yeah. when they find out that you were dating everyone else on the planet while you were? Did uh, they know yeah, that? I think, I think at most the of them. Well, there were some people that I dated kind of exclusively for several months, and then when you know it was obvious that that was the end of that relationship, like like the. Um, the actor, Anderson, the actor, you know, and, and we just live too far apart. Uh, I, but I so enjoyed his company. And, and so even though you were nervous, Gail, that I was riding around in the parking lot, with them, but nevertheless, um, and then I, was... I just realized there was no way we were two and a half hours apart. You know, there was just, he, he was a dentist by trade. He was, uh, you know, a professional, uh, ballroom dancer. He was in competitions all the time. He was, an actor, there was just no possible way that we could spend enough time together. And so everything that was described in that chapter is exactly what happened. He, he said, I didn't plan it this way. I'm falling in love with you. I don't know what to do. I could envision another circumstance, you know, my life with you, but, but I just need to tell you, you know, you deserve better than this. I can't see you very often. So I'm going to release you. Mm. Wow. Wow. It seemed now a lot of the relationships that you decided not to continue with, you guys seem to come to a lovely agreement and there didn't seem to be a lot of, and maybe you cut this part out, like you wanted to leave and they wanted you to stay and vice versa. You seem to very, and you've said you remained friends, but Again, it seemed like a very mature way to approach things like, no, I don't know that this is best for you, or I don't know if this is best for me, or I've got this going on. Is Was yes. that consistently uh, I true? I didn't alter any circumstance of how a relationship might have ended. What, what happened in many of those chapters was that there just was more to the story, and I couldn't put it in the book. You know, it might have, I might have dated them longer. There might have been more parts to the story that would have been interesting, but then that would have been a whole book about one guy. And that was not the point. The point was to encourage readers to really yeah, feel right. like that there's a possibility for your life beyond what you think is a very difficult period. You know, a divorce is a very difficult thing to go through, even if it's amicable. And I don't think mine was, um, it's, it's really, it shifts everything about who you think you are it really rattles you and it requires an upheaval in your life. That's a significant one, maybe the biggest you'll ever go through. And so. Well, especially for midlife women, because we often feel even in marriage washed up after we've raised these children, we feel like we've given our best years. I know I went through a divorce after 10 years of marriage when I was young and I felt like I had given him my best, you know, my best years, my youth, my, well, hell, my virginity. I mean, I had given a lot. 
<laughs> my uterus. I mean, I had given a lot. And I think to oh, in midlife to start over is very scary because we think we don't know who we are. We've given our best. We don't know. And you have really put a new face on that. And that's why I love the book. It's a fun little read. It's quick. Um, I did the book on tape and I would listen to a chapter each night when I was going to sleep. It was like my bedtime story. And honestly, Kate, I was oh, sad when it was you. over. Well, I wanted more stories. So is there a potential for uh, a book too? There could too? be. You know, yeah, I could, is there I have another material. book coming? There's no question about that. I, I would love to think that there, there might be something that happens in the future. I'm working on a different book and with my own identity on leadership and building authentic connections. And that is important to me because I believe we all are about... You're going to come back and so. talk to yeah, us about yeah. that? Um, that book's not finished, but I've interviewed about 20 people around the country that are leaders that, that, that work in the way that I think is appropriate to lead. And so I, I you know, I, that's my next obligation. This was a totally fun. And it, it's a project, you know, when you write a book, it takes a long time to get it published and all the pieces that go with it. And I'm just so appreciative that you two are so interested and that you've asked such great questions today. I love that you enjoyed the book. That makes me very happy. Well, we're going to put the well, book you know, out there. Yes. And and I have to say this, Kate. I love that you are transitioning to writing a leadership book because you began this – well, we began this interview. You were saying you were working to build community. And I can see that in you. I can see that you love to build community. And you were, um, you were doing that through this dating. You were doing that um, when you moved, you uprooted and moved to New, to New York, this place that you had no community. And you found it. And so it just seems so appropriate that now you're writing a book on, you know, leadership and authenticity. Oh, thank you and very much. I just I think that's really that. cool. So. We are here yeah. for it. And seriously, thank we'd you. love to have love, you come yeah, back come and talk back. about that because Absolutely. that's great. Well, thank you Absolutely. Again. Leadership with integrity is something we both value a lot. And I don't think there's enough people mm-hmm. who lead well. And, you know, it starts with leading yourself mm-hmm. well. And you've done that. And I think it's people like you who forge a path who then can turn around and lead others down paths. So I'm just going to say that if all this other career stuff doesn't work out, I think you should be a matchmaker. <laughs> okay. I'll remember that. That's third option. <laughs> That's that's right, my vision for you. It's my vision. So ending thoughts, I want to know what you learned through this process. The move, the career advancement, the dating, the because I want people to know like you're not even in New York today recording, you're somewhere else working. So you are definitely a woman who travels and you do all the cool things. So like, I want to be Kate's friend and hang well, out with Kate. So what so did much. you learn? I want to be your friend. So I'm going to come hang out with both of you. Uh, I, I, I learned Please that do. we're all stronger than we think we are. And that came from my cancer experience. First of all, that was a, a huge learning curve for me, not only about the diagnosis that I had breast cancer and how to treat it and what I needed to do and what I had to prepare myself to go through. But it was also that I put myself in a position to empower other women who were going through it. And I served as a spokesperson for a nonprofit to raise money for breast cancer for years. It was a gift, honestly, not the cancer wasn't a gift, but the chance to build community because of that and to help other people, that was a gift. So we're way stronger than we think. Um, there were days when I was going through my divorce and I thought, I just can't do this. I mean, no, I, this has been a lot. Uh, it's, it's, 
been so hard, but it was just not forgetting. There's always another side to our, to our misery. There's another window to look through. We just can't keep the blinds down. We have to believe. You know, sometimes we hold so tightly to what has been that we can't grab what's next for us. And divorce is scary. And I, I don't know if anyone wanted out of their marriage more than I did at the time. Um, but it's still starting over. It's hard any way you look at it. Half mm-hmm. of assets is half any way you look at it. And um, it, women no are treated differently, right. as divorcees. And I, I remember feeling like a divorced mom, I didn't really have a social group. I didn't fit in with the singles. I didn't fit in with the married with kids. I only fit in with this sliver of divorced moms with kids. So because my son was younger when I divorced, but gosh, you have just proven that we can recreate ourselves. We can, we can reconnect with our little girl dreams with seeds that have been planted long ago and live this, and this is what we're about, live this season of life, this midlife with fullness, with interest, and with just happiness, joy, growth, all the things. So Kate, your story inspires us. And we hope it's going to inspire and encourage other women who some, some of these women may be in a very sad place right now thinking about a marriage ending. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they will just get the book and smile reading it. And I'm just going to say right now, I hope if I ever get divorced that I somehow figure out where to find dates <laughs> like you did. So I don't have to pay for anything either. Well, I, I also think the other thing that I learned was there's not just one person for us. You know, we grow up with this idea that our, you know, mothers tell us, so there's, there's one man for you out there somewhere and, you know, you'll find him. He'll be your charming. That's not the oh, case. Yeah. It's, it's who you meet and the circumstances of your life that put you in a, a path or on a path that will introduce you to different people, but you have to be willing to step outside your front door. You know, you have to be af- not afraid of what the it's future so true. for you. And two, yes. when I met my husband too, we were a blind date and on paper, it would mm-hmm. have not looked like a match. He was older than me. Um, the only thing we really had in common, we both had an eight-year-old child two weeks oh, apart, so it. we called them the twins. Um, it, it it wouldn't have looked good on paper. And it, I, I know we, we may not have that one, but definitely for this season, He's my one because we couldn't have met in high school. We couldn't have even met in college. He would have been too old. And I don't think we would have connected. So I think things happen and we have a chance to connect with people in new and different ways. And they are definitely the one because he is definitely my guy. He's my man. I mean, he's, I still think he is just hot and sexy in his 60s and he's just my man. But, you know, that came at a time where I didn't know what the rest of my life would look like. So I think there's those surprises in life when we keep reaching and keep going for it. And like, I was actively saying to my girlfriends, do you know anyone? And one of my friends said, well, there's this man I work with. He just went through a divorce. And it was funny because we had gotten married the same month of the same year. And we wow. got divorced the same month of the same year, 10 years later, and had children the same month of the same year. So no, you, you never, never know, know what's lining up for you and what, what God's working out in your life, but 
you know, be open to it yes. and always be hopeful. Yeah, always, always be, be hopeful, optimistic guys. because you just don't know. I would say care for yourself in the way you'd want your best friend to care for you. You know, be- believe in yourself. Think think about yes. what that. someone that you love would do to care for you. And that's what you need to do for yourself. Sometimes it's hard for us to do that. Mm. Well, gosh, this has just been such a that. wonderful conversation. And uh, I love the freshness and lightheartedness. We've had some heavy topics lately, and this has yeah. just been uh, encouraging, good, happy, is- lots of smiles. Yes, and a lot of fun. I, I think that you probably had a lot of fun, you know, and you enjoyed it. And you probably have this really fun relationship with your daughter as well. It's like been, I just it's feel like you so guys are great, like you know, and she's she's <laughs> now in Los Angeles, not in Texas anymore, and um, I don't get to see her enough, but she used to spend a She's probably asking you for sex advice. She, well, I think she she, uh, she really probably doesn't need it, but she is. She's. We've become so much closer, and she loves that I wrote the book, which I'm happy about. You know that could have it could have not worked out like that. Oh, and I remember like asking a lot of things so change true. in their twenties well, when they asking. realize, but you know, I, I want you to tell her, I want I you to will. play this for her and tell her that I, I said, you're a badass. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely do it. That's just <laughs> well, the thank you line. both again so much. It was a wonderful treat to get to meet you virtually. And I hope in person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when, when will we get to you know, find work, your real I'm identity? I'm working on thinking that's about the last that. Question. I, it, there's a transition that's got to happen for me to do that. But, but I think it can happen, you know, in 2022. So we'll see. Thank you. We'll be be waiting for it because we're, we're going to post it everywhere. Like we (laughs) met her and she is the real Carrie from sex in the city. Okay. So you're welcome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time, Kate. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. I'm I'm just going to walk away laughing still at some of those experiences (laughs) and how frightened I was for you. Um, But, you know, you've really inspired us to go and live our best lives. And I hope our Mm -hmm. listeners just embrace that today and that they'll go pick up the book. Mommy just need to get laid. It's not tawdry. Don't get worried. It's a delightful read. And Christina, what do we always say? Until next time, go and get your moxie on. Bye-bye now.